As we dive into this message this morning, I, I want to remind you that the Sunday teaching, we hope that it is only an accent, an addition to, for those who are Christ followers, to your own time regularly that you spend with God in His Word as a, as a self-feeder on God's Word, as we sometimes phrase it, regularly, consistently taking time in God's Word. Sunday morning is, if you're depending solely on the teaching you receive on a Sunday morning to, to grow spiritually, it's going to be quite an uphill climb. And, and, it's, and it's really, it's not, it's not enough. In a Sunday gathering, there's different people at different places, and our, our teaching as we, as we prepare it, we have in mind people who are, are not yet Christ followers, who are seeking, and, and that shapes how we teach and how we approach uh, the, the declaration of the truth of God's Word when, when we're together, and, and that's a challenge. Again, people at different places spiritually and, and different places in their knowledge of the Bible, but in our gatherings together, I definitely want those who do not have very much biblical knowledge or awareness to be able to, to have some significant takeaways. And, and that may mean that, uh, you know, that for some of you, what you hear is, is, is pretty basic stuff many times. But here's the key, here's the thing. We, we assume as, as teachers up here, and, and we hope that those who are already Christians are excited about the fact that someone who is not yet a Christ follower is hearing something that might lead them to come to the place of wanting to be a Christ follower. So just a word of information and explanation on that. Harvey la launched us last Sunday so well, and I listened online uh, as we were away. Um, excellent message to launch this series. So thank you for your ministry, Harvey, in, in this vintage faith series. Today, goodness, goodness. We'll be walking through, if you were here last Sunday, you know this. Uh, this is the second Sunday of eight through Second Peter chapter one, verses one to nine for, for these weeks. And, and our purpose is to explore what it means to not only what we say possess a faith, but, but actually to show it, to, to, how to live out a quality faith, a faith that's genuine, that's vibrant, that's growing, that's uh, contagious, and not in a way that you might think someone's sneezing on you, no, in, in a good way, contagious, uh, a faith that's attractive and proven, a faith that's proven. The bottom line? It's about growing a Jesus-centered life that reflects His character in every aspect of our life. And many of us in this room, probably most of us, I would say, genuinely and deeply want to live that way. The term vintage faith, as Harvey described it last week as well, um, it describes a faith that has been around for a long time. And so it is, it's tried, it's proven, and it's of valuable Quality. And it's a quality that stems, of course, from its source, uh, who is the, the perfect, holy, all-loving, all-powerful God of the universe. That's the source of the faith that we are talking about, that we 
learn about from God's written word. In speaking about this Second Peter Bible passage, pastor and author John Piper refers to the children's book, Glenda's Long Swim. That book tells the story of Robert and Glenda Lennon who were fishing uh, from their yacht uh, about four miles off the coast of Florida. It was hot, and so Glenda decided to jump into the ocean and have a refreshing swim. And so she did. She, she dove in. Quickly, quickly found that the current had carried her very far from the boat. Her husband heard her cry for help, and without thinking, dove in and swam to her. He then realized that they were both being carried away very quickly from their boat, from their yacht. Robert was a champion swimmer, uh, her not. They quickly made a plan that he would swim against the tide to keep the boat in sight until the tide ceased, and then the hope was that he could reach the boat. He obviously knew the patterns of the ocean. The plan for her was a little scary, but was to stay put, to save her strength, to just float, and he would come back after he reached the boat for her. Well, Robert fought the tide for a long time, for six hours, and just as the boat was about to disappear on the horizon, the tide turned and his strokes, he soon noticed, began to carry him closer, ever so slowly, but closer and closer to the boat. He eventually made it to the boat, although obviously completely exhausted. The sun had set. His search for his wife, Glenda, was futile, it seemed. The next day, they fortunately found Glenda still floating, alive, and doing fairly well, 20 miles out. Dr. Piper says, that story illustrates something that ties in with this Second Peter passage. Christians who just float, never stay in the same place. They drift, dangerously so. Hebrews 2.1 gives the warning to Christians, we must learn or we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard or we may drift away from it. Any of us who have been Christ followers for, you know, for, for a longer period of time probably have experienced spiritual drift to one degree or another. God says, be careful, give attention to my truth so you don't drift away from your relationship with Christ. A remedy for drift is intentionality. Yes, even effort, this thing that we see in this passage of Scripture, effort, effort that takes us in a desired direction as illustrated in the effort that it took Robert Lennon to swim back to the boat, which ultimately brought about the end result that he wanted. If you were here last Sunday, you heard this Bible passage, but I want you to listen, open your heart again as I read from 2 Peter, our text passage for these weeks. 2 Peter 1, verses 1 to 9, in the New International Version I'm reading today. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. 
His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And here's our text verse for today. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And then if you know the passage, it goes on and we're week by week. Add to, your, add to goodness, knowledge. Add to knowledge, self-control. All, all the seven qualities that we're looking at. Today, goodness. Goodness. Pastor and author Mark Buchanan writes about this passage in an excellent little book of his um, called Hidden in Plain Sight. And about the phrase, uh, add to your faith goodness, he reflects on a common expression that we use. My goodness. You've heard it, you've used it. And when we do, when we hear it, when we use it, it's applied in many different situations, isn't it? My goodness, that coffee's good. My goodness, that cop's pulling me over. I was only doing 18 over. My goodness, I mean, if, you got, if your parents have friends that live in another city and don't see you very often, my goodness, how you've grown. I'm 19. You saw me when I was 11. Growth happens. I can't tell you how many times that happened. My goodness, how you've grown. Or, my goodness, that dress is expensive. My goodness, that dress makes you look fantastic. <laughs> Worth the money, honey. My goodness. Buchanan writes, he says, what does my goodness have to do with any of those things? <laughs> Too often there's a gap between how Jesus wants us to live as, as his followers and, and the daily reality in our lives. And I'm no different than any of you on this. The gap. We want to we close the gap. Not to earn brownie points with God, but to reflect His character, to bring Him honor, to, to see people drawn to Christ through the influence of our lives and how we live our lives that we've been given for these purposes. Sometimes the reality of daily life, doesn't it? of our life, of my life, of your life. Sometimes it lacks goodness, I think. So why are we to add to our faith? Well, the reason. Let's look at the reason. Verse 5. For this very reason, Peter writes, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. For, for what very reason? Well, Obviously, you need to go back. So go back one verse to verse 4. We see it very simply laid out. That we get to, that we may participate in the divine nature. Wow, what a, what a comment. That's, we, we don't have time to drill down on that too much. But participating, let me say this. Participating in the divine nature does not mean that we become, you know, taking on those qualities of God that are intrinsic only to, uh, to, a, to deity, to God. Uh, we don't become some kind of mini-God with superpowers or anything like that. Rather, it means that we, we grow in how we reflect 
the character traits of Jesus, very simply. And then in verse 4 also, it, it makes this comment about escaping the, the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. What evil desires? It, it's, it's, it's referring primarily to our own. We can escape the corruption and the, the, the trouble, the pain, the heartache that so often is caused by my evil desires. Peter is reminding us of that. That's the reason, that's the very reason that we are to, to make every effort to add to our faith these character qualities. That's the reason. It's a good reason. And then, what can we say about the, the, this thing called effort, as, as Peter writes it? The effort to grow in Christ-like character, we must be, I think you know this, if you're a Christ follower and you care about growing in character to become like Christ, that we must be intentional. We can lose sight of, of, of this so easily in the pace and the, and, and the situations in our life that we face. Make every effort to add to your faith. Make every effort effort toward growing a godly character, toward cultivating a Christ-like way of thinking, speaking, living. All this does not emerge from passivity, does it? Doesn't just naturally happen. I mean, it's not rocket science, but it doesn't necessarily come easy. And someone who gets stuck on the, the how question here, it could possibly be overcomplicating this because it is. It, it, it's actually very, very basic. And I don't want, those of you that have been Christians a long time, the, 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 the three things I'm going to lay out here, so simple, they're not going to be surprising to you, but the danger for us is to say, is, is to, to really, I don't know, to kind of set them aside because they're, they're too basic, they're too elementary, they're too elementary, they're too simple. But how effectively are we doing these things in our effort to add to our faith goodness? So I don't want you to, to brush them aside quickly. So basic. But it does take the intentionality of things like making the commitment to talk to God regularly. Time set aside every day. I prefer the morning. But that talk with God happens lots through the day. It's what 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul talks there. He just simply says, pray without ceasing. Obviously not on our knees without ceasing, not practical, not smart. But that's ongoing conversation with God throughout your day. How do you do at that? Because doing so, and for some of you that may seem a little odd, like even, even outwardly. I think there's, there's many moments in many of my days, and I'm still growing at this, but there are, there's many moments where I have these, these conversations with God, and sometimes they're, they're just honest. God, what's going on? And sometimes I'll be driving, and it'll, it'll, it'll come out verbally, and that's okay. It can be in your heart and your mind, but, but even audibly, talking to God about what's going on, about character development stuff, specifically in line with this message. I encourage you, talk to God about the way that you want to grow in your character. Tell Him, driving to work, today, God, I, I want to be like you. I want to treat that obnoxious co-worker like Christ would. I want to I show goodness to, to, to that 
domineering boss. I, I, whatever it is, talk to God. That's, that's pray, prayer without ceasing that Paul is referring to. Tell him. Tell God that you, that you want to depend on him in the process of that character growth. Pray without ceasing. Commitment to talk to God. Or there's the, not or, additionally, there's in making every effort, right? There's the intentionality of spending time consistently in God's Word. And we, we talk a lot, a lot about that here. And, and, and never going to stop talking like that. It's got to be a part of our life as Christians. And then there's the effort that it would take to identify a Christ follower that you respect. Setting up a coffee with them to ask them to walk with you. Ask them to hold you accountable for growth in your lives. Three things. Do these three things for six months consistently and you'll be well on your way to adding the character of goodness to your faith that came to you through God's grace alone. And we'll return to these three basic things at the end of the message, so I want you to be uh, aware. Then there's the quality itself. Verse 5a, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. There it is. We've said it already, obviously. That's the character quality we're looking at. New King James uses the word virtue. Right-click on that, and the word integrity is one of the synonyms that appears. Another translation, uh, New American Standard Bible, rightly translates this Greek word, moral excellence, which is, which is a core and intrinsic goodness, even over and above the actions of goodness. You see, there's a, there's, a, there's a different New Testament Greek word that Peter could have chosen that would have also translated goodness, in English. But that particular word literally means kindness expressed in action. Peter did not choose that word. And it's not that he's like, he's not, he obviously is calling through God's leadership as he wrote. He's calling for Christians to show goodness, okay? So that's not the point. But, but get this, Peter chooses a word that focuses not so much on the action of goodness, although he wants that in our lives, but that focuses on the core foundation and root of our heart that by God's grace and power, our heart is shaped to become like God's in goodness. And so that our, our character from within is good and the actions are, are of the same DNA. And that's a combination of our choice and effort and the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. And for time's sake, I won't go into this detail except to say that it's the same word that, that Paul used in Philippians 4, 8 when he, when he talked about the things we should focus on in our minds, that which is noble and good and pure, all those, those, those qualities. And then at the end of that, he says, if there's anything of virtue, if there's anything of excellence, moral excellence, think on these things. That word there of virtue or moral excellence in Philippians 4, 8 is the, is the same word that Peter is, is uh, using starts here. And we're not talking moral superiority because that's, that's attitude and that's repelling. God, through Peter, calls for living out this moral excellence, this goodness that's rooted in humility and brings glory and positive attention to God and directs people to Him. 2 Peter 1.3 says that God has called us by His own 
goodness. And so it stands to reason that he expects his people to emulate this quality in their lives as well. This goodness carries with it the idea of having courage to stand up for what is good and right. It's the characteristic that keeps us from being a chameleon and to simply blend into our surroundings, which you know it as well. It is very easy in our culture to do that. It's that inner virtue which enables us to know right, to know right, and do right. Goodness. Just like in the story I started with a few moments ago, there, were, there was a desired outcome, but to see it become a reality, Robert Lennon knew that it would take effort, commitment, and intentionality to keep that boat in sight as he swam. Peter says, make every effort to add to your faith these character qualities. And, and, and doing so, again, intentionality, effort. Now, something extremely important in this discussion, and I believe Harvey referred to it last week as well. We're not talking here, and Peter's not talking here, about how to receive salvation. I, I want you to get this, if this stuff is pretty new to you. That comes completely as a gift from God through what Jesus did on the cross and the resurrection, okay? So we're not putting this effort in to be sure we get to heaven, to be sure we are a Christian. No, that, that's not biblical, and that's not what Peter is saying. The add to your faith discussion is simply, again I stress, is simply about God's desire to see growth in our character on the other side of our commitment to follow Christ. Okay? That just needs to be abundantly clear as we look at this Second Peter passage. It's absolutely not about God's forgiveness being earned. Okay? Let's, uh, let's skip down to uh, slide 18. So we're, th this effort combined with the Spirit's empowerment helps us attain uh, God's standard. There's a standard. What is that standard? Goodness, goodness needs a standard that is consistent and complete, and the only standard like that, of course, is God Himself. And it's as we get to know Him, as we get to know the God who created everything we see and created me for the purpose of reflecting His goodness in this broken world. Wow, what a task. It's a powerful privilege. The only standard to go by, again, is God Himself and His character. So, as an example, um, God is truth. God is truth. God just does not only speak truth. God is truth personified. And so we can let His truth guide our character and thus our decisions and our, our responses uh, and so, so that we'll care more about being truthful than about ensuring that we come out looking good on the other side of whatever the situation, right? It's goodness. It's goodness. Or, or maybe it's remembering as we, as we see so clearly from God's Word, God, God's completely loving and so that we're able then to let His compassion inform our actions and reactions, even if it means, even if it means being inconvenienced. Goodness. Trying to, trying to do good without knowing the personal source of all good, 
will, that will lack meaning, and, and, and that, that won't provide lasting fulfillment. Peter's talking about something deeper, namely the starting place and, and the foundation for doing good. It, it's what's happening, is, is what's happening in here. The quality of goodness deposited by a good God into an open-hearted Christ follower that will result in doing things like the serving day, that will result in shoveling the snow for your neighbor who's sick when it's minus 30, that will result in showing hospitality to someone that you just met at church. They're from out of town, and you take them home, and you... That still happens today. <laughs> I heard about it in the context of our church family in the last few months. There's a story that's so cool. That's goodness. Or helping someone whose car broke down or, you know, stopping to help when it's not very convenient or stepping in to see justice delivered to the underdog. And you can easily make your own list. What will goodness look like in and through your life this week? That's where I want us to conclude in just a moment. Acts of goodness which come from a reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit is precisely the type of goodness that helps cultivate this vintage faith that's tried and proven and of great, great quality. So how, how do we add Peter's type of goodness to the faith we already possess through God's grace in Jesus? How do we add to our faith goodness? Well, this is a response, opportunity. And these are those three things again that I already referred to. Simple, so simple, easy to miss because they're so simple, easy to lay aside because they're so simple. But no, they're, they're life-shaping things. And many of you know this. They're life-shaping things that I referred to in the effort section of this message. So we're going to revisit those and then a brief story before we pause for a couple of minutes of prayerful solitude together to give opportunity for the Holy Spirit to speak to us about how He might want goodness to be displayed through our lives this coming week. And hopefully beyond, of course, but I want you to focus on the week that's in, in front of you here. So, these three things. Talking to God regularly. Think about that. How do, you, how do you do with that? Prayer. How do you do with that? Talking to God and telling Him, I want to reflect your grace, your love, your kindness, your goodness. God, help me do that. Help me to be mindful in that tense conversation. How, how, how have you been doing at that? Prayer. Talk to God regularly. He's your closest friend. He's your greatest ally in this. He's your greatest source of strength and, and enablement. And that's important. It's the power of the Holy Spirit and our commitment. It's not self-effort. Don't get that wrong here that Peter's talking about. No. Be sure to make your prayer conversation with God throughout the day about this. This week, for sure. God, help Help me look for opportunities. Help me see. Help me to recognize opportunities where I can just show your goodness. I, I want to hear about some of those stories that God's going to make a way for you 
And secondly, carving out time to read God's Word. The Bible every day, which is it's non-negotiable. Non-negotiable if we want to add to our faith these character qualities. It's the, it's the systematic and consistent engagement with reading God's Word that will lead you and I toward becoming more like Christ in our character. Can't do it without this. And again, that's why every year you've seen us provide a little simple tool and the encouragement as we start the year to engage with God's Word. If you're on a growth curve there, or if it's kind of new to you, would love the opportunity to chat with you about that. Thirdly, along with Jesus as your role model, as my role model, find a charactered and growing Christ follower and spend time with them. Follow them. Paul said it, didn't he, in Corinthians, follow me as I follow Christ. If you find somebody who's following Christ and desiring to be good and show God's love to people, follow them. Spend time with them. Ask, ask them, can, I, can, can we meet for coffee? I just want to pick your brain. How do you cultivate that even as a desire? Maybe you want to ask them to hold you accountable with accountability questions of how you're doing with it. What did you do in the last week or maybe meet monthly for six months? It doesn't have to be a, you know, a, a life sentence kind of thing. But ask them to ask you some specific questions and you can dictate the question. How did you do in the last month? Give me three things, three situations, three times in the last month when you intentionally saw, recognized an opportunity and stepped into it to show God's goodness. Follow somebody who's a little further down the road than you. It doesn't matter what your age is. It doesn't matter what their age is. You may be 60 and you may be approaching a 28-year-old to say, talk to me about how you live your life. That's, that, that happens in community. And if you're parachuting in on Sunday morning and darting out the door, you're going to miss an opportunity for that kind of connection. That's why we will never stop talking about small groups. Community. Find someone and follow them. Someone that you respect in this area. In 1908, contrary to what some of you young people think, I was not around, but I read about this. A guy by the name of Ernest Shackleton led the Nimrod expedition to reach the South Pole in the Antarctica. It was a, a journey of, of grueling hardship and inhumane endurance. His team, bone-weary and, and, and famished, had to turn back less than 100 miles from their destination. In his diary, Shackleton tells of the moment their food was almost gone, down to a few scraps of hardtack, as it's called. A blend of, uh, of bland, dried biscuit is what it is. And Shackleton distributed it evenly among the, the group. Each individual, each man got, got some. And some ate it right there and then, licking the crumbs off their fingers like starved dogs. Others stored it in their food bags for a time when their hunger would become uh, a kind of madness. Well, that night, Shackleton awoke to a sound. He opened his eyes and lying still watched. In the ragged circle of firelight, he saw a sight that made his heart sink. His most trusted man 
opening the sack of a fellow next to him and taking out his food. But then Shackleton saw a sight that made his heart leap. His most trusted man placing his own hardtack into the other man's food bag. He wasn't stealing bread. He was sacrificing his own. Goodness. Goodness. How is it going to grow? Goodness. How is it going to grow in your life, in my life? How, how, how is it going to look in your week, this week? I want you to prayerfully in these moments as we close, consider the opportunities. And it, it may even be, maybe even a good idea that, to jot some things as the Holy Spirit speaks to you now. And I, I believe He can and will. And some of it might come now. Some of it might come in the moment and you just recognize it and you think of Sunday morning and there you are in the, in, in the experience of showing God's goodness before you even know it. How, how awesome. But maybe you want to write some things down that come to your mind. Some actual goodness showing things that you can do. Or you put them in your smartphone. Put a little reminder so that tomorrow morning it's first thing you see, and you can pray about that. So I want us in these closing moments to prayerfully reflect on what goodness could look like in our lives this week with some specific examples attached. Okay? Heavenly Father, we in these moments ask Join me in this prayer if this is your desire. May your goodness, God, that is an intrinsic part of your very nature, begin and or continue to grow and, and unmistakably be added to my faith for your honor, Lord Jesus, and for the encouragement of others toward knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen.